Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. All right. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Jeremy Smith. Jeremy is the writer and producer of Sci-Fi's Van Helsing, Continuum, and Reboot, The Guardian Code. So, Jeremy, how's it going? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, man, whereabouts are you in the world? I live in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Cool. And how does that tie into your role uh, as a writer and a producer? Is Vancouver, I would imagine, I know it's a big film town. Is that why you're there? Or have you, did you grow up in Vancouver? No, I grew up in Ontario, but uh, my whole like professional career and you know adult life, I've been in Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver is a uh, is kind of a a filming hotbed, but it's it started off, you know, the bulk of its uh, industry here has been service for um, American productions usually. So, writing rooms, uh, even though they're getting more and more prevalent up here, you know, early in my career was such a rarity. Because all the writing was done in LA or New York or Toronto or some things like that. And Vancouver was just used to like shoot the stuff, shoot, shoot the features or the TV shows. You know, I've been very lucky to be able to get on shows that have uh, had the rooms here. So I've never had to leave. I haven't uh, had to uh, leave my home. So I've been very lucky that way. And huge movement of uh, sci-fi shows being filmed in Canada. Is that like a new movement? I've just noticed that a lot. No, actually, a lot of uh, Vancouver's been very, very well known for some classic, uh, like uh, almost legendary sci-fi programs, like you know the Stargates and Battlestar Galactica, and they were all shot and filmed here, and X Files and uh, V, you name it, we've had it. So Vancouver, I think it's more been a happy accident. I can't, I can't think of why um, <laughs> it's become this sci-fi hotbed, but uh, we ever since like. It might have to do with the, the cost in order to make a sci-fi show is a little more because of your world building, creating things. So our tax credits maybe help that out. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, no, Vancouver is, has been for decades known for, um, known for its sci-fi for whatever reasons. Did you grow up uh, reading sci-fi? Or are you a sci-fi fan or are you? Yeah, yeah. I grew up, uh, my, like my very first job when I was young was in a comic book shop and uh, I just... Uh, I've loved that whole world. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like a big kid now that, you know, as much as cinephiles and stuff like the hate on the Marvel movies, I'm just, I'm ecstatic. I just think of my 10 year old self that gets to see all this stuff now, even though, <laughs> you know, even though I'm an adult. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm when it comes to sci-fi and comic book stuff, I'm just a big kid. Something we talk about a lot on the show is that, um, you know, things changed a lot. I imagine when you were working at a comic book shop, not everybody was reading Marvel comics or cared about Marvel comics per se, but nowadays it's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, it's almost, you're almost uncool to say you're not into it. It's like almost a kind of a complete 180, like nerd culture <laughs> is cool. Now. Yeah, when I was uh, in a comic book shop in like the mid 90s, it was mostly, you know, 20 somethings and up, like not a lot of kids. I was like one of the youngest act that I can recall. And I was the one that worked there. So yeah, it's um, now you go into a comic book shop and it's kind of everybody from like elementary school kids all the way up to senior citizens. It's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Let's talk about your career specifically and what you do. I briefly described what you do in the bio uh, earlier. How would you describe yourself and what you do? Well, 
I'm kind of like a classic hired gun TV writer. We, uh, your job entails a lot more than just, you know, writing the script. It's kind of the opposite in television and film where the writer, writers kind of run television and directors run films. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, you are through every part of the process of, uh, pre-production to shooting your episode, you're on set being that the eyes and ears of the production and making sure the shooting day is, it sticks to the script, that kind of thing. So it's sort of this creative slash managerial position and supervision of uh, all steps uh, throughout production. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot more than just typing on my keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get to this point? Do you mind if we kind of walk through? um, Yeah, sure. I imagine you didn't just walk onto a lot one day and, they hand you the no, script that, and no, say, no, no, not at all. It was, uh, it was, like I said, there wasn't a lot of um, writing rooms in Vancouver when I was started in the industry as an assistant. When I first moved to Vancouver and got into the film industry, I just noticed that out of all the entry-level positions, if I really wanted to learn this business, I should work for the boss. So I, would, I sought out a producing assistant, like assisting producers. And Vancouver being such a huge service industry, we'd always have these large movies coming up from Los Angeles with like a bunch of producers and they're, they don't know anyone here. So they always hire an assistant, like a local guy. So that was me, uh, sort of like a, a coffee fetcher for uh, a few years. And I used that as school that paid me, you know, to like, I thought if I, as long as you're working for the boss, you're going to learn small pieces of everything because everything goes through you to get to your boss. And in the meantime, uh, my, my writing partner and I, Matt Venables, we directed music videos. This was at the point in time when we, you know, like most film students, when they get out of film school, they, they want to do everything. Like, I'm going to be a writer, producer, director, you know? <laughs> and uh, so we had, we thought, we'll work for producers to learn how to be a producer and we'll make music videos because we can sort of learn the process of filmmaking without having very many rules because there's not a lot of rules in music videos you can do whatever you want so we thought it was a good sort of medium to cut our teeth and we love music but we quickly learned there's no money in music videos and so we we realized that the thing that we loved the most about it was coming up with the concept of the videos and writing them so we focused all of our attention on writing after that and then just had anyone we could read our work that's the biggest thing for like emerging writers is just Write as much as you can and have as mu- and get as much feedback as you can, and that's what we we did. And uh, and really, my first job came with a lot of luck, just as much luck as skill. Uh, it was a producer I'd worked for in my producing assistant days early on. Um, he had uh, been brought on to Continuum with uh, Simon Barry. His name was Jeff King, and he had recommended me uh, along with another director and producer of that show, uh, Pat Williams. So Simon hired me on the merit of their work. He'd never met me before. So I got onto the development room for Continuum, and luckily we got picked up. And then we did four seasons of that show. And uh, yeah, so it was as much uh, who I knew as much as it was my, you know, my skill. So networking in this business is paramount. Because the thing with rooms is it's not, it's not really about how good you are. It's also about do I want to spend six months in a small room with this person and, uh, you know, be creative with them on a daily basis. So the chemistry has got to be right as well as your ability. And then, uh, after 
continuum finished after four seasons. Uh, Van Helsing came along shortly after that, and Simon Barry was brought onto that show to sort of shepherd Neil Butte through the show running process. So he recommended me to to Neil, saying, you know, like you can trust this guy. He did four seasons of my show, and luckily that worked out. So yeah, it's really learned early on how important it is to like nurture relationships. And were you producer as well on Continuum or just Van Helsing? I worked my way up to okay. producer by fourth season. I, I was, yeah. On Continuum? Uh, on Continuum, Got yeah. It. And what did that mean now, for your role going from being a writer to a producer? What additional you know responsibilities did that include? Well, on that one, nothing. It was more just a credit. But whereas Van Helsing, my producer roles are far more hands-on. Like um, We supervise set while filming is being produced, you know, you sit in on all these, all the creative meetings and pre-production from wardrobe meetings to prop meetings, location surveys, all that stuff. So yeah, Continuum was more just a promotional credit, whereas they didn't need me for that stuff. They, they, they were, they already had those producers ready to go. Whereas now I'm, I'm a more senior level producer on Van Helsing than I was on Continuum. How do you divide your time? Are you spending more time writing or are you spending more time producing? Is it synonymous? Yeah, they're both kind of, um, I would say you spend more time producing because once we try to have almost all of our scripts written by the time we go to camera on the first day of production. So far less writing is done once we break camera for the season than before. And there's more time in principal photography. So I, I, yeah, I guess if you added it all up, we'd, we'd spend more time producing than writing, but the writing is definitely the harder part. Where does Reboot the Guardian Code fit into play? Oh, we did that um, between season, I think it was between season one and two of uh, Continuum. Yeah, we or Van Helsing. We, uh, we were approached to um, meet with the showrunner of this new show, Reboot, and uh, Matt and I had both recognized it from when we were younger. It's a, right. um, you know, a reboot of this old 90s show. And uh, so that, you know, peaked our interest. We weren't really, we never really had sort of children's programming on our radar, but uh, it seemed like a unique opportunity to not only write for a younger audience, but also animated. Yeah, so it was in between those two seasons. We had about eight months off or seven months off or something like that. We sat in the story room and broke episodes, and then we wrote three episodes of that show. And then we went back to uh, Van Helsing. Would you want to walk us through your process? I guess with Van Helsing, it probably make the most sense. We had interviewed Jonathan Lloyd Walker previously, who's an executive producer for the show. Would you yep. mind first starting with how you work together and then also how your roles differ? Yeah, sure. When we get word that the, a season has been greenlit of Van Helsing, like for instance, when we got the, the word that we got season three, we all go back into the room and uh, we have a scheduled amount of time in order to break the episodes before we go to draft. So we'll all sit in there as a team and, uh, you know, brainstorm, break each episode um, until we feel like we got them rock solid enough, good outline. And then um, the showrunner will assign each writer um, based on, you know, their contract which episode they're going to write. And then we go up and we write those, hand them back in. Everybody weighs in as a team again on any notes we all have before they're submitted to network for approval. And uh, then uh, once the network approves, those are um, 
production ready drafts, which will then start going into pre-production. Obviously we do it linearly. So like episode one, we'll start uh, pre-production on that. And the way Van Helsing works, not every series is exactly the same, but the way Van Helsing works is um, our showrunner, Neil Labute, he is extremely open and uh, trusting of his team. So, and like all showrunners, there's a million and one things for them to do. They're torn in so many different directions that he really trusts whoever wrote the episode of our show to produce it from day one of prep through to the final day of shooting that episode. So you're almost like a mini showrunner for your own episode. Not a lot of shows do that, but uh, yeah, Van Helsing does this uh, on the regular. And so once your episode's been approved and it's time to start started into production we will start prep and you'll start meetings uh with department heads and uh the ad teams and and the accounting and the money producers and everybody gets on the same page of how we're going to uh how we're going to produce this in the most efficient and cost-effective way possible without trying not to hamper anything creative which is its own battle and then the director will come in, who's usually a hired gun for just there in for that one episode or maybe two episodes, and they get the lay of the land. And we work with them directly in choosing locations, uh, wardrobe, props, things like that. And then when we start, once prep is done and we go into camera, that writer is then sent to set and they supervise from start to finish. They're the presence on set. And they have sort of creative control over line changes. We're troubleshooting constantly because we have such a tight time frame that if there's, if we're all of a sudden we were running out of time for the day, and this is the last night of day we're going to be at this location, we have to figure out what we can live with not shooting and still make our day and still tell our story properly. So it's, it's constantly these creative troubleshooting, things like that. It's a fun challenge, but it can be stressful and difficult at times too. How many other writer-producers at your level are there for the show? I imagine in the writer's room there, there are several, or is it a small Yeah, well, there's, there's our, like last season, there was our showrunner, Neil, Neil Abute, and then Jonathan Lloyd Walker and Jackie May are both EP writers, and then uh, Matt and I were a team, were co-executive producer writers, and that was it. Yeah, so I guess there's... We count Matt and I, as far as writers go, as one, because we're a team, we write together. So there's four of us. There's technically five, but there's you know four of us. Tell me about your process um, of working with Matt. I know that we had talked about getting Matt on the show, but he couldn't make it today. What's it like writing with a partner? On well, a he's not show? here to defend himself. So <laughs> no, he's great. Uh, we met in film school, like when we were kids trying to get into this crazy business. And uh, we bonded because we had very similar interests. We realized we were the only ones that were in that classic, really were looking at this as a career. It was a small boutique film school in Victoria that doesn't even exist anymore. So uh, the second we graduated, we moved to Vancouver together. We got into the business together. We never really had an idea to write together. We It was just kind of organic. It's not like we, we decided we were going to be a writing team. We just One of us would have an idea, and the other would riff on it, and we'd just go back and forth, and we'd create something. And uh, so it just kind of happened naturally. And we write independently, but we everything goes through each other. So like I'll write something and then Matt will 
go through it and he'll almost be, it's almost like giving me notes and, and vice versa. I'll do the same for him. And, but when we, when we get assigned a draft of Van Helsing, for instance, it's a six act structure that we, that we work with. So he'll take the front half or the back half and, and I'll do the, the other one. So we're each sort of writing half a script just to get it down. And then we'll each go together, go through it and do a full pass to sort of make it all fluid and stitch it together in the middle. It sounds crazy, but if you knew the sort of roadmap we were given before you get to go to draft, it's actually a very easy thing to do and very efficient because as a team of writers, we're breaking the episode. Um, in the beginning, we'll break the episode. So up on a board with index cards will be, you know, act one, two, three, four, five, and six completely broken down into each scene is a, is a card with a fairly detailed description of what's supposed to happen in that scene. And then when you go to outline stage, you sort of just expand on that a little bit and that usually gets approved. So by the time you get to, to, to writing the draft, you're like almost 80% of the work's already been done for you. You, you pretty much are just making people talk and maybe adding some creative flair to things that, you know, uh, didn't make it onto cards and, and you come up with in the moment, but it's, uh, Working as a team, the two of us, it it really becomes sort of this efficient machine where it takes half the time because there's two of us, you know what I mean? Hey, everyone. We just wanted to take a quick second to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support. The Writer Experience Podcast has been self-funded from the beginning. So whether you're an aspiring writer who has taken inspiration from the podcast or just enjoy hearing from professional writers please donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash writer experience. You can also go to our website, writerexperience.com, and click the Patreon button. Thank you again. We really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. As far as your role working together, what's your process as far as um, working through to the end of the season? Do you know you're going to have another season? What's that look like? I know you guys have had several seasons, right? Yeah, I wish. I wish it was like that. No, you end every season. That's the tricky thing with uh, with with TV is you never know if you're coming back unless they've explicitly told you. Which you know some shows get lucky and and yeah they or it's completely obvious you're coming back because you're a huge hit. Like a show like Supernatural, for instance, it's in it's like season fourteen or something. I think it's up to them when they want to stop. Whereas us, we end every season in the dark. We don't know if we're going to come back at all. We try to write to these cliffhangers because, you know, you want to hook the audience to come back next season with some amazing, like, oh, I got to see what happens moment. But you also have to ask yourself, are we going to be satisfied as storytellers if this is the last thing anyone ever sees? So you never want to write a satisfying ending because, you know, you're pretty much loading the chamber of the gun. If, if a network wants to cancel you, they're like, oh, well, we could end it there. but it's a very difficult thing to come to an end of your season, not knowing if you're coming back purely from a storage standpoint, because you don't want to, you've done so much work that you don't want to just leave it on some insane cliffhanger that you don't know what's going to happen and you don't come back. I feel like that would be unsatisfying, not just for fans, but from, from a storytelling standpoint, we don't often succeed because there's no such thing as a cliffhanger that could be a satisfying ending. But uh, yeah, we try. How did you feel about the ending of Continuum? Where were you at in your process 
Yeah, we loved that. Um, that was something Simon wanted to do. I think he had that in his mind before we even started. A lot of uh, creators will often have an idea of how they want to end their, their uh, series before they've even sold it. I think he had that. And so to us, it was an extremely satisfying ending to that series. A lot of the fans liked it too. So it was, it, you know, it was the right choice for sure. Van Helsing now, and it's, I want to say third season? Yeah, season three is season airing right three. now. Where are you at with the future of it now? Are you waiting to the end of that season to know kind of the outcome? How does that That's all up out? to the network. We don't know. We, they could tell us uh, tomorrow. They could tell us um, by the time this podcast comes out, we might know. So I wish I could break some news for you. But As far as a writer yourself, um, you mentioned that there's at one point in the process, you'll just be adding dialogue. Is there a particular part of the writing process that excites you the most? Are you a character guy, a dialogue guy, description, backstory? The list goes on. Well, I like writing two-handers, like two people talking to each other. I like those kind of interactions because they can usually run the gamut of sort of emotion in a natural way. You're not trying to give too many people an equal voice in a, in a scene You have if you have something intimate between two people, those are usually my favorite things to write. But my, really my favorite part of the process is the, the story room, collaborating with everyone else and, and breaking story. It's like, I don't know, it has this fun, especially if, if your writing room is vibing and uh, everybody, you know, the chemistry is right. It, it feels like a bu- you're just like a bunch of 10-year-olds create, like making up stories because that's really what you're doing. And it, it, that's really the most fun to me. But uh, yeah, the actual physical act of writing, I, I would have to say two-handers are, are usually my favorite because action scenes and things like that, those are easy. There's nothing complex really about those. Is there any similarity between the writing you do for a TV show and the work you did coming up with music video treatments? Is there any similarity in the conceptualization or writing process there? Yeah. Uh, it is for whatever you like themes and tone mostly um, because the music videos that we usually re- directed were and thought up were almost like short films style, you know, like they weren't like five guys standing there with their instruments playing. We made like short films that tonally matched the song that they were for. And I feel like that process of, okay, what, what are we trying to say? with this story is it those two elements are the like coming up with that answer is the similar thing like we the only difference is we weren't writing scripts for music videos they were purely just breakdowns so i guess they're similar in the sense of like the early process of script writing but yeah that there's there wasn't beyond that there wasn't a lot of similarity as far as like when we would break draft to a script and start having characters talk to each other and you know, things like that, then they become totally separate things. Now, I know you said you don't know the fate of the next season, but from a long-term perspective, your goals, is there a particular, you know, role or particular thing you want to do specifically? Do you want to direct a Marvel film? I know we mentioned those earlier. Oh, man. I think uh, the dream is having your own show. I think any television writer that doesn't have that dream, that concept to me is foreign. I can't imagine why you would want to be in this business if you didn't want to have your own your own show. 
that that's the goal. I, as far as directing, yeah, I'd love to get into that again at some point. And uh, features for sure. Like I would love to direct a feature film one day if I had to choose a, a horror movie. Because I, ever since I was a little kid, I, I've just been obsessed with horror films. So I just love uh, I love that genre, and uh, which made Van Helsing such a huge draw for me when I heard that this show was coming around. I I would have done anything to work on it. So yeah, the ultimate goal, my own television show. And then beyond that, everything's gravy. I think uh, dipping my toe in the directing field would be would be a lot of fun, but not really on my radar right now. Where you're at right now in your career, I feel like your future is bright and there's, there's a lot of time ahead of you, but you have learned a lot. Of those learnings, is there one thing that you would say that has helped you or that you would pass down to aspiring writers? Yeah, um, especially in television. Um, that's usually what, where I'm going to go to, uh, cause that's where my wealth of my experiences, sure. Simon Barry, he's an unofficial mentor. Really. He's taught me a lot. And Jonathan Lloyd Walker, both John with his work, work ethic. He, you won't meet somebody who cares more. And that's really inspiring to see somebody who cares so much that you, you know, you can, you can give more. And, uh, with Simon's advice was, if you want to be in TV and your goal is to have your own show, you should have like a minimum of five projects out there. Like it's like fishing, like the more lines cast, the more chance you are of catching something. And so early on in my career with a lot of new writers, especially I, I meet all had sort of the similar, they, they had the, the wrong impression of write something and then ride that out until it dies or, and then, then write something else and then ride that out until it dies. You know what I mean? Whereas he says, you just keep writing, keep getting things out there. And it's a, if you don't have at least four or five things out there in in the ether with people like either being considered for development in development, things like that, then uh, you really aren't, you aren't working hard enough. So once I took that to heart, really my exposure in my, my career has accelerated and uh, I owe him for that because I would have I would have been stuck in that single project at a time linear way of thinking as opposed to just you know if you have a thing out there in development in the meantime keep writing keep creating stuff and then next thing you know you have the second thing and a third thing and then the more things out there eventually someone's gonna green light one of your ideas what about for those who's uh who are just starting out and don't maybe have those relationships obviously you know, you're a, a working writer. I imagine some of those doors are maybe slightly more open for you, for sure. For those mm-hmm. just starting out, how do they kind of get their foot in the door? How do they get their pitches out there, their ideas? I can only speak to my own experience because I was them early on for years. Um, I I just wrote and wrote and wrote. It's basically write and get people to read, write and read, write and read, and get people to give you honest feedback. Don't just get your mom to read your script or your friends to be like, Oh, it's good. Like you want, you want brutal honesty because it's only going to make you better. And, uh, the more people you have read your stuff and give their feedback, they'll start to become a trend of things that like, if you had 10 people read your stuff and eight people were confused about that one thing, clearly there's something wrong with that one thing. And it gets you to really break it down and, and either clarify it or fix it or, or change it completely. Those are the most important things for uh, for an early writer is is write as much as you can, have people 
read and respond as much as you can. And get out there. Put yourself out there. Go to writing meetups. There's probably one in your city, wherever you are. We have them here. Like Writers just meet, and you get to be a part of the community and, and uh, you know, meet your fellow colleagues. And eventually, you know, if uh, you, your writing gets better and you get good and people like you, you're going to get a job. It's, it's that simple. Amazing. Are you ready for something we like to call a series of seemingly random questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I liked how confident you were in that answer. Sometimes people are a little hesitant. <laughs> First question, your Twitter bio says, fully aware of how lucky I am. How much does luck play in one's success in, let's say, the film industry? I'd say for some, a lot. But for others, at least 50%. I would say it's at least half of your success is luck. Because there's so many people, there's so many voices, there's so many, there's so many outlets out there now. Like, uh, it's just, it's hard to make a lot of noise because there's just so many people out there. So you really have to be dogged in your pursuit of your career. Otherwise, you're just going to get lost in the crowd. So I think getting plucked out of that crowd takes just as much luck as it does skill. There it is. Number two, if you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you take and which fast food restaurant would you go to and why? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Did Jesus do any writing? So I don't know. I'm not that. Re- I don't know much about religion, but I just figured he'd be a good choice because if he showed up, that means he was real. <laughs> and we go to McDonald's because he can't turn down those French fries. So interesting answer. Moving along to question three: Has anyone ever told you that you can't or should not be a writer? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, my grade eleven English teacher definitely told me that. Wow. Um, but, you know, at that moment in time, he was probably really right. <laughs> Fair. And, uh, you know, um, you know, there was the odd family member that when I got into it, they just figured, all right, well, eventually he'll come back down to earth and get a real job. Yeah, I don't think once I got into the film industry, like once I started working in it, no, everybody was very, actually very encouraging. No, nobody ever said Every, everyone was actually saying the opposite. So it was, it was, it, I would say it was when I was young and I was saying, it's like a kid saying they want to be an astronaut. It seemed like that same, where I came from, it seemed like that same kind of like far-fetched job where it's like, okay, sure, you want to be a writer. Okay, whatever. Good luck with that. Next question. Now that you are a writer and you're successful at it, you're working for a major TV show, those people, whether they be friends or family, do they treat you different? Do they uh, kind of put you a little bit on a pedestal? Do some old friends kind of come out of the woodwork and, you know, remember me? Well, that hasn't happened, um, <laughs> Okay, which I'm glad. But then again, if you were to meet me in real life, you'd realize there's like not a lot to put on a pedestal. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't act any differently. So I think uh, I'm actually very glad that's not happened to me. No, but no, no one, no one has ever put me on a pedestal. Maybe one day. Next question. This can actually be the last of these seemingly random questions. What is something about you or your career that nobody knows? Hmm. 
about me or my career that nobody knows? Um, well, well, this has got to do with me and my career uh, that, you know, not a lot of people know this. That, uh, this might be interesting to some. Is I, I've never taken a creative writing class in my life. Never taken a writing class. I've never learned formally how to do it. I just self-taught, I guess you'd say. From watching shows or from reading books or reading uh reading books reading reading scripts was the biggest one for me to learn how to structure and uh and you know learn about act breaks and and scene transitions and things like that i read a lot of scripts uh and that helped a lot and yeah uh I was never an English major or anything like that. So I really have no business doing what I'm doing, but just don't tell anybody. Unfortunately, <laughs> everyone who listens to this podcast will now know that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I hope it's uh, inspiring for, for people that think that they can't because they haven't learned how to, that they, that therefore they can't, which is untrue. You'll just, uh, you'll learn as you go. There it is. And lastly, uh, we always ask, do you want to plug anything? I know that Van Helsing is still on right now. Um, and the fate of Van Helsing, we don't know yet. So do you want to shout that particular project out? Do you have something you're working on on the side? Do you have a Twitter handle you want to shout out? Well, I mean, I'm on all those social media things. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, you can search me out. I'm easy to find. Uh, but yeah, if you are a Van Helsing fan and you want to see more, uh, let Sci-Fi know. That goes a long way with them. When fans are reaching out, taking the, their own time to reach out to the network and say, "Hey, bring my show back." Everybody that works on that show, there's you know well over a hundred of us with crew and cast. Please keep them employed. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Um, it's been fun, man. Please uh, send our regards to Matt as well. I know he couldn't make it, but I know you guys are working together on the show, and uh, we appreciate that. So, yeah, man, thank you for your insights and taking the time. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.